Let's try that again. Do you believe he is able this morning? And much better, much better, much better, much better. We've been doing two songs at the beginning of the service to get you a little more warmed up. We only did one this morning, but we are here to worship King Jesus. Amen? Amen. We want to welcome you to Northside Baptist Church. If this is your first time with us, thank you for being here. I know we have a lot of visitors this morning, and so we're delighted to have you. Inside your bulletin is a place for you to fill out some information about yourself. You can also request some more information about the church, and on the back is a place for you to write down prayer requests. So if there's any way we can be praying for you, please fill that out, and you can put that in the offering plate. Before you are seated, take a moment and welcome those around you. You may return to your seats and you may be seated. If you have looked at your bulletin at all this morning, you know today is parent and child dedication. Uh, this, these are always exciting times in the life of a church. So this morning, I'm just going to begin with some scripture. Uh, after the scripture, we'll have our two families uh, come forward. Uh, the word of the Lord says in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 7, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. And Ephesians 6, verse 4 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. I think God's instructions are plain. Children are a gift from God. Amen. And because children belong to God, it is only proper and appropriate that children be dedicated back to God. So this morning we have two families that are going to come forward. So if our two families want to come forward, while they're coming, let me just explain what we're doing here. Uh, what they as a family and we as a church are about to do is not baptism. Uh, this is not these three precious kids that are being dedicated unto the Lord, uh, they are not coming to profess faith in Jesus Christ. Rather, they come as a family acknowledging and professing their dependence on the Lord to raise their children. So at this time, I'm going to turn it over to Pastor BJ, and he's going to introduce them to you and tell you a little bit more about our children. Fantastic. Um, I want to start first here with uh, the Caldwell family. 
I get to, to, to hold them if they will let me. I, I would love to, love to be able to do that. And so, Lauren, I, that sounds great. All right. We'll jump right in with, with Miss Lauren. See me this morning? All right, fantastic, fantastic, and uh, have to be careful now because if I sit her down, she'll take off. Right? That's what I understand. So that's awesome. Well, this is is Lauren Avery, and I've got my notes here. I don't want to miss miss a birthday or anything, but May eighteenth, twenty eighteen. All right, all right, good. Um, and Lauren, you know your name means victory or fame or honor, uh, and it comes like. Days of old, a champion might be crowned with the branches from a laurel tree. And First um, John five four says this: For every child of God defeats this evil world, and we achieve this victory through our faith. So, Lauren, that's my prayer for you: is that you understand that it's the faith in our Lord that brings victory, ultimate victory. All right, precious. All right. Yep. Your brother Caleb. All right. Well, come here, Caleb. Oh, I love it. Look at those suspenders and that bow tie. Yes. All right. Very dapper. Very dapper. Caleb Anthony Caldwell, July 23rd, 2019. Well, Caleb, Caleb is often associated with, uh, with, with Joshua because they were two of the, they were the, the the two spies that came back and said, we can do this. Caleb means faithful and devotion to God. There's a quote by Brendan Manning that I love. It talks about faithfulness. It says, faithfulness requires the courage to risk everything on Jesus. The willingness to keep growing and the readiness to risk failure throughout our lives. Caleb, in the Bible, Caleb was willing to risk that failure, but he had his dependence on God. And so, his dependence was on God. He was very faithful to do what God had called him to do. That's my prayer for you, buddy, is that even in those difficult times, uh, look at there, I can, you can just follow me. You're, you're reading it for me. But listen, my prayer is you're faithful and that you hear. I don't think there's any greater words that any Christian could ever hear at the end of our life to hear our Lord say, well done, my good and faithful servant. See me, Anna Grace? All right. <laughs> See, they say all when they have a baby holding them. They're precious. Anna Grace, April 14th, 2019, her birthday. All right. And uh, think about the word grace. My goodness, so much could be said about grace. So much could be said about grace. And I love the hymn. I love the hymn that says, Marvelous Grace of Our Loving Lord. And I think about you and I think about your parents and, and how they how they ended up with you. Marvelous grace from our loving Lord. Grace that exceeds our sin and our guilt. Yonder on Calvary's mount outpoured, there where the blood of the Lamb was spilled. Anna Grace, my prayer that you are just full of grace and favor that comes from, comes from Jesus Christ himself. All right. You agree with me, I can tell. My new pastor. 
pass you back off to mom. And uh, I tell you, it is a, it is a joy. Um, I was I was in the hospital pretty recently and got to hold a, a newborn, and I and I told the parents, now this is this is one of the nice parts of my job. This is this is fantastic. I, I love this uh, to come in and, and see life and to celebrate life and just. I know that Pastor Aaron in just a moment is going to discuss what we can do as a church family. Um, it, it, it's, it's only just beginning, but, but we teach them here, even at this age, the church is a good place, and that our God is a good God, and he is, he is faithful, and he is worthy of our worship and our praise. So, uh, Pastor Aaron... families will turn around and look at me. I'm going to ask you guys three questions, and if this is the desire of your heart, after each question, if you would just say, we do. Do you recognize that children are a gift from God, and thank Him and glorify Him for the gift of your sons and daughters? Do you accept the joys and responsibilities of parenting, promising to give proper love and care to your child? throughout his or her life. With the help God provides, do you commit to teach your children the fullness of God's word, to point them to Jesus Christ, and to demonstrate through your own example and witness what it means to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself? You know, when it comes to raising children, parents have first responsibility. But parents need the help prayers, and support of the community. As a parent, we need family, we need friends, and we need the church. So I direct my final questions to them. I'm going to ask you several questions, and at the end, I'll give you a prompt as to what I would like for you to do. So to the church and family, will you agree to support these parents and families by being faithful to pray for them? Will you encourage them, love them, and support them through acts of service? Will you help teach these children and set a godly example for them so that they might one day come to trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior? Will you help disciple and train them so that they might live under the supreme rule of the Lord Jesus Christ? If you as their church or as their family commit to do these things, will you please signify that by standing at this time? If you guys will turn around. I just want you all to know, I know you already know this because you have been a part of this church much longer uh, than I have, and so you've already experienced it, but you guys aren't in this alone. You have a family and a church family that is with you every step of the way, and so we're in this together, pointing them to Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father God, we bring each of these children to you with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our might. Oh God, our prayer is that they would love you they would serve you. Father, I thank you for this church who has already come alongside of them in this journey. Lord, I thank you for for the gift that is children, whether God that is through birth or through adoption. Each child matters and it is glorious. Lord, I'm so thankful for Pastor BJ, Lord, who was with these families along this journey, there to hold them in the hospital or to celebrate them Uh, when that child was brought into their forever family. Lord, thank you for the way that he has led and loved them. And 
Lord, just continue uh, to bless him. Lord, I pray for Philip and Liz. I pray for Tripp and Rachel to be the parents that will set the right example for their kids, teaching them to love and serve you throughout their life. And Lord, chiefly this morning, we, we lift up these three precious kids to you, Lord. Lauren, Caleb, and Anna. Oh God, we pray that you would protect them. We pray that you would guide them. Oh God, we pray that you would save them and that you would use them to accomplish your will for your glory. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. You all may be seated. This morning, the praying the scripture comes from Psalm chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. There are many ways that the Lord may lead and prompt you to pray through these two verses. It simply says this, You have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. In peace I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell safety. There are a lot of things in this world that may give us happiness, but only God can give us that true joy. And our joy that we have through Christ far exceeds the joy or the happiness the world may have. So pray through this verse as the Lord prompts you.
guys have good imaginations? I thought so. I thought so. Because uh, that's what we're going to have to do this morning. Because uh, in part, I thought it would be cruel for me to do what I'm actually going to do. So we just have to imagine. Any, you don't have any idea what I'm talking about now, do you? What's my name? Well, imagine it's DJ. All right? So um, let us imagine that it's your birthday. Got it? Can you imagine it's your birthday? It's almost yours. You can really imagine it then. So, oh, man, four. That means I'm getting old. So, imagine it's your birthday or, or Christmas, whichever one you prefer. And you get this nice, shiny box that's all wrapped up. It's got a big bow on it. And uh, you're really excited about what's inside of you. Open it up. And, oh, I, I don't know, maybe it's, maybe it's a, a coloring book. And it comes with some crayons. But some of the pages have been torn out of the coloring book already. Some of them have already been colored. You open up the little box of crayons, and, and some of them are missing. And the ones that are there are broken in half and already used up. Now, how would you feel about that? You're like, really? That's the, this is it? This is, this is the best that can be given? Now, if it truly is the best that can be given, then you're excited and you're, you're thankful and grateful. I don't want to create an idea of being grateful. But you think, man, I, I think it could have been a little better. Or, or you, you open up and you get a brand new, what you're thinking is a brand new pair of shoes or a, or a shirt. And you open up, and it doesn't have any shoestrings. Well, maybe that's a good thing for most of you. But, but yeah, or it's, it's just, it's dirt. Your shirt is dirty and it's got holes in it. You're thinking, I thought this was going to be my new shirt to wear on Easter Sunday, you know. And it's just not the best. Well, listen. That's a little bit what our Sunday school lesson was about this morning. If you were in Sunday school, you, you read a little bit about Malachi. Not this Malachi, but a Malachi from the Bible who said to uh, God's word to him, to the nation of Israel, was your sacrifices that you're bringing to worship, they're not your best. They're not your best. And it's a little bit like getting a gift or giving a gift that's not our best. It's a lot like giving a gift that's not our best. When we come into worship, listen, so, so listen to this. This is a part I really want you to pay attention to, so look at me. I tell, my, I tell my team, my flag football team, I know you're listening if you use your ears and your eyes, okay? So look at me and listen. When we come to church and we worship, we're going to bring God our very best. And there's a song I think some of you have learned that says, and I might not get it right, exactly right, but it's something about if I was a shepherd or if I were a king, what could I bring God? If I were a shepherd, I could bring a lamb. But, I, but I'm not a king. I'm not a shepherd. So I just have to bring in my heart. That's all I have to give God is my heart. And you know what? That's the best thing you can give him anyway. Give God your heart. Give him your life. And we do that when we come to worship. God is pleased with our worship. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for these children. We've already talked about the blessing of children today. Lord, I pray that we all no matter how old we are, whatever our age may be, that we come into your house to worship and we bring our very best. We give you our heart, we give you our very soul, and we, we give everything we have to you. You are worthy of that and so much more. In Jesus' name I pray.
1 John. 1 John chapter 2. We're going to be looking at verses 3 through 6. 3 through 6. We remain standing in honor of the reading of God's holy, inspired, sufficient, and good word. Beginning in verse 3 of 1 John chapter 2. And by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. You may be seated. So if you were here several weeks ago when we did the very first sermon on 1st John we did an overview of the five chapters and we spent quite a bit of time talking about that the purpose for John's writing in chapter 5 verse 13 is that you may know that you have eternal life and so John says you can know that you know that you have eternal life but how do you know that and so what John does is he gives us a series of three tests or three evidences that give evidence to our knowing Jesus Christ. And so what John begins to do here in verse 3 is he begins to lay out those tests for us. We did that as an overview very quickly several weeks ago. He begins here with the first test, which is the moral test, the moral test. That's what we'll look at this morning. Then he'll go on to talk about the social or the relational test, how we treat and love other people. And then he will talk about the doctrinal test, all of that here in chapter 2. Now, why does John give us these tests? Well, he wants us to be able to say, I know that I know that I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. But why does he give us these tests? Hear me. It is not primarily for us this morning to look around. So this morning, as we're looking at these verses, as I'm challenging you, the purpose is for you not to look at each other and say, well, are they in a right standing with God? No, the purpose for these tests is to look in our own hearts and to ask ourselves this question. Do I know? Where do I stand with the living God? So here's the big idea. Uh, we're gonna, I'm going to preach a little bit shorter this morning um, because we did the child dedication, and so I knew that, and so the, the sermon's going to be a little bit shorter. I didn't get one amen. I like that. That's good. You don't mind when I preach long. Um, so here's the big idea. I'm going to give you the big idea, and then we're just going to break this down this morning. Here's the big idea. We know that we know God when love to God is expressed in keeping his word. We know that we know God when love to God is expressed in keeping his word. So let's look at the first part of that. It's going to be in yellow or orange, however it shows up there. Yeah, kind of both. We know that we know God. So this morning, what John is saying is you can have assurance. You can know that you know him. Look what he says beginning in verse 3. And by this, by this is what he's about to say, and by this we know that we have come to know him. So we know intellectually, maybe cognitively, that we have come to know him personally, relationally. Now, at this time that John is writing, uh, very early stages of what would become known as Gnosticism is developing. And, and a big belief of Gnosticism that would develop from this point going forward is that they believed in this secret knowledge. 
that God had revealed to them the secret knowledge. They had this intellectual knowledge. They were superior to others because of this knowledge. But that's not what John is saying. John is, not, is saying it's not really about intellectual knowledge. It's that you can actually know this God personally and relationally because this God has made himself known to us. So when we talk and we try to put into terms what the Bible's teaching us about salvation, one phrase that we use sometimes is union with God. Union with God. It's this idea in Scripture that by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone, you are declared right or righteous with God. Talked about that last week. That we have an advocate with the Father Jesus Christ who is the righteous one, who is the propitiation or the sacrifice for our sins. So what the scripture teaches us is that when you come to saving faith in Christ, not by works, but by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone, at that moment, you have union with God. You are united with God. You have been sealed with the Spirit, right? God places you in the palm of His hand and no one can pluck you out. So what that means is this. You can know that you have eternal life. When you come to believe in Jesus, that salvation, that union with God cannot be severed, broken, or lost. So when John talks about here in the next chapter about those who went out from us because they were never part of us, what he's saying is they never knew Jesus Christ to begin with. It's not that they lost that union, they lost that salvation, it's that they never knew him. That's good news, church. Because that means when you walk into this place on Sunday mornings, you don't have to walk in wondering, well, am I saved today? Do I need to walk the aisle again? Do I need to be baptized for the seventh time? I don't know if I lost it this week. No. Through union with God, you are sealed. You are saved. You can know that you know that you know Jesus. But here's the question. How do you know that? How do you know that? And the first test John gives us is a moral test. Here's how you know that you know Jesus. He says, whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. You go up just before that, it says in verse 3, and by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. So here's the next part I want to highlight, right? In keeping his word. We know that we know God when love to God is expressed in keeping his word. In other words, there is a desire in those of us who have been saved through Jesus Christ there is a desire to obey and keep the commands of God. We'll go on to say in verse 6, and we'll get there, that we are to imitate Christ. So here's what John is arguing. John is arguing that a knowledge of God the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ, produces obedience in that individual who says they believe in Jesus. He states it positively there in verse 3, and by this we know that we have come to know Him if we what keep his what commandments his commands he'll use the word word interchangeably that if we keep his word he then says it negatively in verse four whoever says i know him hey i know him i know god i have this fellowship with god but does not keep his commandments is a what a liar and the truth is not in him the message which I think is a good translation to read every now and then, but not to be the, the translation that you constantly are using to study. But the message sometimes words it in ways that maybe help us to, to grasp it a little bit more. I like what the message says about you're a liar, the truth is not in him. 
the message translates, his life doesn't match his words. His life doesn't match his profession of knowing Jesus. So everyone in this room, and if you don't know this yet about me, you will right now, you know that I'm an avid Kentucky Wildcats fan. You know that. I was out uh, last week, and Ethan was laughing at me because I had a, a UK black sweatshirt. I took that off and had on a long sleeve blue Kentucky shirt. And he said, is the T-shirt underneath that say Kentucky? And I said, yes, it does. So I had three layers of Kentucky gear. I am an avid Kentucky fan. But if you observe my life and you say, you know what, Pastor? All I ever seen you wear is Georgia Bulldogs gear. And the only team you talk about is Georgia. And the only games you're watching is Georgia. You're going to say, look, your profession of being a Kentucky fan doesn't match up with your behavior. And I did not watch Georgia play yesterday. I have no idea if they won or lost, right? So my actions match up with my profession. I'm a Kentucky fan. If I profess to love my wife, but all I ever do publicly and privately is degrade her and ridicule her. Like if you leave a fellowship and you're like, man, pastor was rude to his wife and that's not the first time in fact i've never heard him say a nice thing about her right that would mean what that i'm lying that my life doesn't match with my words church our life must match our words and if we claim to know god then we will desire to keep his commands amen which means we won't water them down means we won't make them less offensive a lot of churches several years ago started taking away the cross they stopped talking about the blood because they thought it offended non-believers they're trying to soften the word of God we won't make it less offensive we won't make excuses for it oh that was written 2,000 years ago times have changed the world is different things are different it can't mean that any longer no we will keep his commands we will keep his word as he has revealed it to us in the scriptures look at verse 6 whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked who's the he there it's Jesus then not only are we going to keep his commands but those of us who claim to know him will desire to walk in the same way in which Jesus walked we are to be imitators of Christ well how did Jesus walk well, John 6, 38 says, For I have come down, this is Jesus, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Jesus lived in perfect obedience to the Father's will. Well, church, Jesus Christ so drastically changes our lives that we go from rebelling against his commands to now living as he lived, living in willing submission to his word and his commands so earlier I talked about union with God but we also talk about communion with God so union with God says that we are declared right with God we now have fellowship with God through Jesus Christ alone we didn't do it God did it through Jesus we are saved that is secure we can know that we know that's union with God communion with God says now that we have been declared right with God we desire to live in a right relationship with 
Yes, judicially, we're declared forgiven and freed and saved and our guilt has been removed. Now, practically, we want to live in right relationship with Him. So we seek to obey His commands. We seek to follow His will. We know we can't lose fellowship with God, but we also don't want anything, sin, to hinder our communion with God. So this is where our obedience comes into play. Now listen to me really, really carefully. I don't want you to get this wrong. We do not obey in order to be saved. If our obedience is done because we think in obeying God, He will save us, then that means you would be saved by works. Rather, we are saved by grace. No, you obey the commands of God because you have been saved. Let me word it differently. Obedience does not produce salvation. Rather, salvation is evidenced by obedience. Let me just ask you this question. Why did you come to church today? And by church, I mean we are the church. Why did you come to this building and gather with the church to worship God? Why? Listen, there are people all across the world today who showed up in their church gathering because they believed by showing up, God would love them more. They believed by being here and being faithful, God would have favor upon them. They're trying to check off the boxes so that when they stand before God, they can say, look, faithful church attendance. Like they came to church because they believed by coming to church, God would look down upon them and say, well, I'm going to give you a better week. You're going to get that parking spot right up front at Walmart. Like, people believe this. They're doing these things because they think God will save them. Church, I, people, I, folks, church, people, whatever I want to call you, I hope that is not why you came to church today. I hope you did not come because in thinking by coming, God would save you. Rather, I hope you came because God has saved you. And there's no other place you'd rather be than in his presence with his people declaring the praises of his name. It changes your obedience when you understand it's not to be saved, but it's because you have been saved. Let me word it one other way. This will lead us into the third part, and that is this. We don't obey to earn God's love, but we obey because of God's love. Because God has so richly loved us we want to obey. And that's the third part that I want you to see here. We know that we know God when love to God is expressed, keeping his word. So verse five says this, but whoever keeps his word in him truly, the love of God is perfected. Now, there are four Greek words in this verse um, that, that, that commentary, commentaries and even uh, Bible interpreters, translators aren't really sure how to translate it. Here's the Greek, hey agape, to theu. Hey, agape, to theu. In the Greek, it is literally translated the love of God. The love of God. Now, that's ambiguous. The love of God. So how do we interpret that Greek phrase, hey, agape, to theu? Well, uh, older NIV translations. Those of you who are reading the NIV like 10, 15 years ago when I was growing up, here's how the older NIV translated that Greek phrase, the love of God. It translated it, God's love, meaning God's love for us would be perfected. The newer NIV has changed it. 
The newer NIV now translates that love for God, meaning our love for God is perfected. The translation that I use, the ESV, the CSB, many other translations translated this way. In him truly, the love of God is perfected. It leaves it ambiguous, the love of God. Is this speaking of God's love for us, or is this speaking of our love for God? I think John Piper summarizes it well. He says it could be that John means both, both God's love for us and our love for God. It could be both, since in his way of thinking, it is the love of God in us that is reflected back in love to him and others. God's love in us that is then reflected back to him as we love him and as we love others. And it says the love of God is perfected. That word means complete or mature. God's love achieves its purpose when you and I keep his word. When you and I love him back or when you and I love others, right, we're keeping the word of God. The word of God is mature. It is complete. It is doing what it is designed to do in us. Listen, God loves you. God's love for you is a perfect love. And if you don't believe that, man, let me just encourage you to open up the New Testament this week and begin to read. Go to the Gospel of John. You can continue reading here in 1 John. In fact, 1 John chapter 4 makes it clear God loves you. That's not for debate this morning. But here's the question for you and I. Are we showing our love to God? We know that we know God when love to God, our love to God is expressed in keeping His Word. Here's what so many people believe today. God is love. God loves you. God loves you. God will always love you. Therefore, it does not matter how you live your life. It doesn't matter if you keep living in sin. God is love. God will love you. You live however you want. We're just going to embrace you. This is, this is what you do. God is love. That is not what John's teaching here. Yes, God is love, but here's John's belief. If you know the love of God, you won't be able to go on sinning. If you know the love of God, you will never say, oh, God loves me, I can do whatever I want. No, you don't know the love of God then. Take your Bibles to 1 John chapter 4, verse 16. 1 John chapter 4, verse 16. Listen to what John says here. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. Notice what John does. He takes two words and he ties them together. For you have come to know. He's already mentioned that word know in chapter 2. You've come to know and you've come to what? Believe. See how he puts those together? To know, to believe. To know the love God has for you is to believe it. To know the love that God has for you is to trust his love. It is to trust his word. The proof of love is loyalty. The proof that you love someone is will you be loyal to them? Listen to me. When God commands you to do something in His Word, either to abstain from something or to actually go do something, like tell other people about Jesus, if God commands you to do something and you ignore it or you go against it, 
John can only conclude one thing. You don't believe that God is love. You don't believe that God can be trusted. You don't believe that God has your best interest in mind. Instead, when you read the commands of God, you think, man, God is just some God in heaven who doesn't want me to have any fun. Right? God is a kill joy. He's just, he's up there looking down on us and saying, ha ha, you can't have any fun. I'm going to restrict you from doing all of these things. Take your Bibles, 1 John chapter 5, verse 3. 1 John chapter 5, verse 3. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. Church, hear the word. And his commandments are not we can be so arrogant at times that we think, God, you exist simply to give me everything I want. And your commandments and all of these rules that you've laid out before us, they're just a way, God, for you to withhold happiness from me. Like we have the audacity sometimes to think. We won't say it, but we think it. We have the audacity to think, God, I know better than you. I know what is best for my life. So when God gives you a commandment, like don't lie or don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, we think, oh God, you're just keeping me from having fun. You're just keeping me from saying whatever I want to say. And we think God's commands are meant to weigh us down to be a burden. But that's not what John says. He says his commandments are not burdensome. They are expressions of love that have our best interest at heart. Hear me you're struggling with this, struggling with God's commands to follow it, to live it out as he teaches and what he says, not what you and I want him to say. If you're struggling with this, do not think for a moment that your God is a killjoy. Because what your God is doing is protecting you from the very things that will kill and destroy you. He knows. He knows what will kill you. He knows what will destroy you. He knows that your sin will not only destroy you, but they will destroy everyone around you. Now, most of us in here probably learned the hard way, have we not? That when God's word says, don't do this, it's best that we don't do it. And when God's word says, do this, it's best that we do it. We've all learned the hard way when we decided, when we were younger and and smarter than God, and we begin to run after sin, we realized that it just leads to heartache. You and I realize that, right? Youth, listen to me. Let me just save you a lot of heartache down the road. Whatever God's word says, just do it. Doesn't matter if all your friends say something else or they believe something else. You can go talk to any one of us in this room and say, hey, did it turn out better for you when you followed God or when you ran from God? And we would all say what? When we followed God. Man, take the word of God and keep it. Take it to heart and begin to do it, even, even when it's hard, and even when it'll cost you, and even when it's unpopular. Let us be a people who hold fast to the Word of God. Two other verses, then an illustration, and then we will pray. John 14, 15. If you don't want to believe John, so I don't, I don't know about John, right? Jesus uh, makes it pretty clear here, his own words. John 14, 15, Jesus says this, If you love me, 
If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And he says in verse 23 of John 14, Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My Father will love him. We will come to him and we'll make our home with him. The proof of our love to God is in our loyalty. But we keep his commands. See, church, if you know, love, and believe the living God, then you will believe his word. You will trust his word. You'll obey his word, even when it's hard, even when it costs you. Why? Because you believe God is love. You believe he's given you his word. And to know his love and to trust in his love means you will keep it. It was about a month and a half ago. I was leaving my house on a Sunday morning. It was uh, 6.45. It was still dark at that time. And uh, we live right off Poplar Road. And so there's that Chick-fil-A right there off Poplar Road. So every time I come to church, right, I go right past the Chick-fil-A to jump on the interstate. And so it's dark outside, right, 6.45 in the morning. And I'm pulling up to where the Chick-fil-A is on my right. And it's Sunday. So you know what that means. They're closed, right? There are no lights on inside Chick-fil-A. None. 6.45, I think they open early. They, they would have been open if it was a normal day, right? 6.45, no lights are on inside. There are no cars in the parking lot, right? And yet, the parking lot is lit up with the lights. As I was driving by, I just thought, you know what? That Chick-fil-A will make no money today. No one will step foot in that Chick-fil-A. The lights will stay off. The parking lot will stay empty. And yet, what a testimony to God that scene is. It was just a reminder, right, the light, there would be the light of the world, that those lights in the parking lot were just shining right there on that Chick-fil-A saying, look what can happen if you would just trust me and my commands, right? It's a testimony to Truett Cathy, his love for God, but also his love for the Word of God, that Truett Cathy would stand upon biblical principles it would seek to implement those even not just in his home, but in the company and in the business he started. Steve Whiting took my family on a tour of, of the Chick-fil-A this past week, and it was so cool. And I cannot help but as I walk through those halls to think how much more money could that man have made if they would have opened on Sundays? How much more money could they make if they would open on Sundays, but he refused. Why? Because of what he believed about biblical principles and the truth of God's word. Church, that's what this world needs more of. It needs more men and women, boys and girls, who love God, trust God, believe God, and give evidence to that by loving and keeping his word, even if it costs you, even if it's unpopular, even if your name, Chick-fil-A, is smeared by so many people in today's culture. Yet he was still willing to stand because he believed the word of God. John 3 is clear. John is clear in verse 3. What is the evidence that we have come to know God personally through faith in Jesus Christ? It's simply this. You will keep his commandments. So here's two questions for you before we pray. Number one, do you know Jesus Christ? See, hear me. I'm not telling you to obey in order to be saved. No, that would lead you to hell. I'm saying you can't obey. 
you're not able to obey apart from the work of God and the Spirit of God in you, so you need Jesus Christ. So if you ever come to a point in your life where you have confessed to God, look, God, I'm unable to obey. I can't keep the commands. I'm a sinner on my way to hell. Have you ever confessed that? Have you ever cried out, Lord Jesus, save me, make me right with my Creator, my Father, God? If you know Jesus Christ, which as a preacher they tell you to know your audience, I'm learning my audience, and here's what I know. The majority, the vast majority of us in this room this morning know and claim to know that we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Well, then here's the question for us. Are you giving evidence to that profession by keeping and obeying the commands of God? Not perfectly, because we can't. But here's the question you have to answer. Do you even desire? Is there any part of you wants to submit and to surrender to the Word of God. If you claim to know Him and the answer is no, I'm not saying you're lost. Here's what I am saying. Take a look at your heart and ask God, God, where do I stand with you? Because there should be a desire for those of us in Christ to keep and know and live out His Word. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, I believe you've already spoken loud and clear this morning through our service, through the singing, through the child dedication, uh, Lord, through uh, the children's sermon, through the choir, as they declared, wonderful, merciful Savior. Lord, you've already spoken. I pray, God, that you, you spoke as well through this abbreviated word. But we're going to get into this a lot more going through 1 John. Lord, the question for us this morning is this. Is there any desire in us, God, that we say we want to keep the Word of God? And Lord, if there is an area of our life this morning where we know the Word of God calls it sin, and yet we're still doing it. Or God, is there any area in our life where the commands of God says, hey, as my child, you should be doing church have a desire to be a church that wants to keep the commands, which that means we're going to be willing to go to the ends of the earth to make disciples. But it starts there for us as a church. Are we willing to do that? Are we ourselves telling others about Jesus Christ? Lord, if we're not, speak to us this morning. Lord, as the as the altars open, as we can just come and kneel and pray, Lord, we, we want to be right with you, and we want to live out that relationship rightly and in obedience to the word. So speak, God, we I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to sing a couple verses of a song. As I said, the altar is open. You can come, kneel, and pray. If the Lord is leading you to make a decision, you come as we sing.
Curtis and I are working. We're trying to get our signals down. We talked about that last week. I was like, I gave him a signal. Um, all right, you can be seated for just a moment. BJ has an announcement, something he wants to mention. I have a couple announcements, and then I have somebody to present to you this morning. Uh, and there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, we have the chili, baked potato, uh, missions fundraiser next Sunday. Sign up for that. We have our quarterly conference tonight at 7 o'clock. You want to be here for that. Disciple Now, a big announcement in there about Disciple Now. Uh, sign up, please, right? We want you to sign up this week. And uh, if you are willing to host five to six teenagers in your home, please let Pastor BJ um know that as well. Uh, one other announcement before uh, I present somebody to you. Uh, we have a baby shower uh, right after uh, the service. So I want to encourage you just to pop in there. Uh, and they're here this morning, Miss Kaylee and her mom, Lisa. Did I get that right? Kaylee and Lisa. So they've been in worship with us and uh, we're just so glad that you're here and just thankful we have this opportunity just to love on you and just know you're being praying, prayed for. And uh, the little one is being prayed for as well. All right, Miss Pam, if you will come up here with me. Some of you know Miss Pam. This is Pam Clark. Uh, I got to meet her last week uh, for the first time and then had a great phone conversation with her this week. So Miss Pam was a member here. She actually was the secretary under Dr. Bob. Is that correct? And so, uh, so that's how she knows many of you. And so she came uh, last Sunday. She was invited and I'd been looking for a church home, and so she called me this week and said, hey, man, the Spirit of God just made it clear this is where I need to be. Uh, and so she is coming back uh, to join with us here at Northside Baptist Church by letter. Um, and so if you'll just let her know in her decision to do that, that the number one, you support her in that, but also number two, that you recognize that, hey, we are a church family, we're to disciple one another, and so you're willing to come alongside of her and to encourage her and pray for her, and that we expect her to do that as well, to, to pour in and, and get involved. If you'll let her know that by saying a hearty amen. Amen, 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 amen. One other thing, Ms. Pam also shared with me this week on the phone, and she was wanting me to share this with you, uh, that she is also rededicating her life 
uh, to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so uh, she shared that she had kind of felt like a sheep that was wandering. And uh, our good shepherd has brought her back in uh, to the fold. And so she's rededicating her life. And so if you'll just uh, continue to pray for her and encourage her in that. Um, so this is the first time that I've done this. So I don't know what typically you guys do. Hopefully it's this because this is what we're going to do. Uh, if you'll just stick around up front and we're done. And if you will come by before you leave, before you go to the shower, just to shake a hand, if you know her really well, maybe hug a neck and just rejoice in uh, what the Lord is doing in her life. So if you'll just kind of hang out up here up front. Thank you, Miss Pam. If everyone else will stand, Brother Bill is going to come and close us in a word of prayer. It's been a great day to be in the house of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Amen. Amen.